what we can do is change the perspective of clinicians, for example, um, emphasizing the importance of functional capacities. I'm Adam Hunt, and this is the Evolving Psychiatry Podcast, rethinking mental health through an evolutionary lens. Share it with the people who matter, like it if you like it, subscribe if you want to hear more. So Alfonso Troisi, MD, is Professor of Psychiatry at the International School of Medicine of the University of Rum, Torvagata. He's the co-author of Darwinian Psychiatry, uh, an Oxford University Press published in 1998. Um, And his research and clinical activity focuses on the evolutionary study of behaviour. His chapter in the Cambridge University Press volume is titled Evolutionary Thinking and Clinical Care of Psychiatric Patients. So Alfonso, thank you so much for, for joining me today. This is perhaps the most important chapter in the book in that it's really talking about psychiatric, what, what psychiatrists are here to do, you know, the, the clinical care. Um, but you do begin by noting in the chapter that various psychiatrists have, have dismissed evolutionary thinking. Uh, they don't think it's relevant. So, so what do you think they're missing? Well, I, I think that there are probably many reasons for this problem. Um, the first reason, I think it's related to the fact that m- much m- studies, much papers uh, are about the origins of uh, mental disorders, because, of course, uh, evolutionary students uh, uh, ask the question, how is possible that there is the persistence of uh, mental disorders in the populations and these disorders were not selected against? This is a very important theoretical question but it's pretty far from the interest of clinicians because of course the interest of clinicians is related to practical problems like diagnosis, prognosis, therapy, and so on. So the first reason it's a distance between a theoretical approach and a practical approach that it's uh, uh, typical of, of any kind of clinical science, including psychiatry. Another reason I think it's probably related to the background of evolutionary students, because many evolutionary students are biologists, anthropologists, ecologists, uh, evolutionary psychologists. And so um, if you are not uh, visiting every day uh, patients with mental disorders, probably you are not so interested in, in clinical problems, okay? Instead, in, in, in my case, for example, I, I do uh, everyday clinical practice. And so uh, in my mind, of course, there is the background, the evolutionary background. But the problem that I face every day is how, how can I help this person? What is the application, the practical application of the evolutionary approach to the problem that I'm trying to solve? Mm, right. Yeah, you have this, this difference between like the scientific, we're just asking questions, we're trying to just understand what's going on here versus the psychiatrist who's very practical and, and really just wants to fix the problem. Um, so so what, do you think, what do you think we can add? What, do you, what does an evolution-informed diagnosis and, and treatment regime look like to you? Um, how do you think you know, evolutionary-informed psychiatry uh, would, would differ at all from current practice? Uh, or, or, or are there not that many differences? I mean, what do you, what do you think about this? Well, based on, on my evolutionary studies, you know, I, I have an experience with uh, no human primate behavior too. So uh, I'm pretty familiar with the ethological method. 
Well, uh, what I think is that the big problem of psychiatry is the, the emphasis on uh, mind, the emphasis of subjective feelings, and in addition, the artificial settings where we uh, collect data. The mm. typical situation is the patient comes to the hospital, comes to the, uh, the doctor office, and we uh, listen all the reports by the patient. We have no idea what is the reality outside, what is the real behavior of this person outside in real world relationships. In this sense, I think that we really can apply the lesson of two evolutionary disciplines uh, apply it to behavioral sciences. I mean, ecology and ethology. I think it would be very useful to have, uh, you know, real world data about the behavior of persons with mental disorders. And, you know, uh, trying to understand what is the difference between the data that we collect in artificial settings and the data we could collect in the uh, ecological environment of patients. I think that this is a very important lesson for clinical psychiatrists. Mm, right. Yeah. This this thread runs through a lot of your work, which I'm you know I'm aware of beyond this chapter, of course. Uh, and and yeah, you do note that psychiatry is concentrated so much on these questionnaires and ticking these boxes. How are you feeling? Um, but evolution acts on behavior. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so we really should be, should be studying behavior. And if someone is suffering, are they, is, is it really harming them? You know, it's, it's, it's on negative emotions or bad thoughts actually kind of interacting, interrupting their reproductive success. Um, in addition, you should consider that many data uh, also in research derives from rating scales, okay? Rating scales apparently are treated as real numbers. They are not real numbers, right, yes. okay? They are yeah. just ratings translating what the patient says in false numbers, qualitative impressions, but they are treated, you know, as real numbers and compared with data coming from biological studies, you know? And right. I think that this is a big problem. Right. Yeah. On the scale of one to six, how yeah. how much have you been feeling this way? Uh, okay. Yeah. It makes it easier for statistical analysis, obviously. But um, but yeah, you're right to to question the scientific validity of this. So so okay. So looking looking forward, um, clinical care in psychiatry has generally not improved over the last fifty years. You know, one of the things I one of the reasons I think evolutionary psychiatry really has a chance to kind of uh, make an impact is because psychiatry is a field kind of in crisis you know we haven't really made any any um, improvements both in treatment or in understanding uh, and hopefully the evolutionary perspective may improve that understanding um but but yeah what 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 do you think the evolutionary perspective might add also to the clinical care um and or just in general what do you think um evolutionary psychiatry can just add uh that's that will change how psychiatry has been going so far well, well, I see that the contribution probably is more strategic than tactics. I mean that I don't, I don't think that it would be possible to invent a new cure for mental disorders based on evolutionary knowledge, okay? Because any kind of new treatment is based on proximate knowledge. And of course, proximate knowledge is not the, the peculiar feature of evolutionary thinking. What we can do is change the perspective of clinicians, for example, um, emphasizing the importance of functional capacities. If you look at the, the diagnostic um, assessment in psychiatry and even the, the way for assessing the outcome of therapy, there's a big emphasis on symptoms. 
So like anxiety, depression, hallucination, delusions, and so on. And very little attention to functional capacities. So the capacity of the patient to navigate the social environment, to reach the short-term biological goals, and so on. Why this is important? This is important because we have data that well, the well-being of patients sometimes is more related to functional capacities than to symptoms. Some patients say, okay, I don't have symptoms, but I, my, my feeling of my function is so bad. You, I, I don't want to stay in that kind of situation. And the other problem is that according to the evolutionary model, it's possible that the primary defect is in the functional capacity and the symptoms are just the outcome of the original problem, okay? So for example, take a borderline patient, okay? Uh, she's not able to navigate social relationships, frustrating intimate relationships, and this is a basic defect. Of course, the outcome is anxiety, depression, hostility, but for psychiatrists, these are the primary targets. This can be really a problem, you know, because if you are not able to change the functional capacity of the patient, the symptoms stay there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. This sort of came up in my discussion with um, Randy Nessie as well. That it's it's not so much that we're going to add some special new treatment, um, but maybe it makes you think about how you go around to go about a treatment program. So if someone's got anxiety, then maybe you do want to um, you know use pharmaceuticals to kind of improve their living standards but you also want to think about the the world that they're living in and why they're feeling the anxiety and kind of see it in this functional pers perspective and maybe try and remedy the things in their life and yes you can use drugs to kind of help get you there but but yeah it gives this more holistic view rather than seeing a symptom and throwing a drug at it and assuming that, that you're actually going to kind of cure it um great well thank you so much alfonso uh it's a really interesting chapter it's like a, a really I mean, it's obviously it's the it's the point of why we're here to, to some extent is to try and improve um, the clinical care of psychiatry as well as the scientific. We, we just we just want to know as well. We, I, I just want to know. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Adam. Okay. Cheers. Bye.